Cool. Hey, everybody. This is Brian. This is Corey. We're doing another episode of Vegan Feminist Radio. This is probably the fourth time that we've recorded this, and by God, maybe. <laughs> What's up? I thought today that we would revisit one of those past attempts because it is even more relevant today than it was when we first tried to record it. And that topic is vegan rage. I'm sure that's something that we all know something about. Must be some degree of it that is pretty healthy to have that we all have to go through at some point, feel sort of ragey for the what we see animals going through and probably ragey at ourselves for what we know that we've contributed to at some point. But um, I'm interested in the parts where it becomes uh, obviously sexist and racist and um, distracting to the movement, if not hurtful. So uh, let's talk about what you're referring to, because <laughs> I can't wait. Okay, so again, this has just happened today. We're recording, what's today? July the... 27th. Ooh, 27th, okay. So there is this conference that's happening, some kind of event. I don't know. I just found out about it. It's happening somewhere in Pennsylvania, and this woman is lined up to keynote for this event, and she has a history of being very aggressive against Black Lives Matter in, as it has come up in the animal rights movement in the past. So there's been some ab- activists who brought the atten- to the attention of the conference organizers that this person has had this history of doing this stuff. And so for whatever reason, it's completely unmoderated, the event page on Facebook, and all fucking hell has broken loose because this woman is not interested in listening to why her words are offensive. And not only that, because it's unmoderated, she's attracting a lot of supporters from some of the nastiest corners of our movement. And the it's a very interesting kind of moment for observation. We'll put it that way. <laughs> That's a, that's a nice way to say it. I don't guess we're going to use uh, real names. I guess there's no reason. I don't even know her. I mean, I don't need, She runs that organization. Well, let's not even say it. You know what? Because we don't yeah. have to. Because she represents so much in the movement. There's so many different high-profile activists and organizations that take the same sort of stance. We don't even need to name names. But the issue here is that as more and more people try to explain to her, and, of course, some people are losing their patience and just getting hateful and you know what after a point and no one wants if someone doesn't want to hear why what they're saying is offensive then I can understand the frustration but what's really creepy to me is the people who are jumping on board to support these hateful words and here's where the vegan rage comes in anytime a person from a marginalized background tries to come into the conversation and say hey this approach is sexist or this approach feeds sexist culture this approach feeds racist culture white supremacy what have you people immediately jump to the the animals are dying the animals the animals the chickens are being ground alive and pigs are being stabbed in the throat etc etc you know that kind of stuff the vegan rage and this is not there's a difference between yes there's a lot of importance behind emotion in a social movement 
emotions are very important for motivating, for sustaining activism, and you know, giving meaning to your, the work that you do. On the other hand, it also that type of emotion is very much so tied to violent masculinity, and that's the kind of shit that I'm just not cool with. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of things. I definitely want to get hardcore, like into the rage part, um, because it, it does tie into something that I feel sort of intimately connected to, which is sort of um, masculine expressions of rage. Um, but I guess to begin with, one of the things that I was seeing come across in those coming across in those comments, people saying like, "No, it is all about like the animals, and we can't bring we can't bring like human stuff into it," just like you were saying. Uh, do you think there's a, like a limit to how much we need to be concerned with um, bringing human social justice movement into the animal rights movement? Well, here's the thing, Brian. It's like, you know, when any jackass, uh, excuse my speechless language, when any jackass gets on the internet and just because they have an internet connection think they can spout off a fucking opinion, the same thing happens with just because you're an activist in the social movement does not make you an expert in social movement theory. But folks who are like, well, uh, I'm vegan and I'm angry about speciesism and that makes me an expert on good social movement theory and tactics and all that. And you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So that's what pisses me off. It's like the research is very clear that violent activism and violent rhetoric does not advance a social movement. In very rare cases that it does, that, that success tends to be very unstable and very prone to disintegrating. And the research is also very clear that if you cannot build coalitions and alliances, your movement really is doomed. There is research also specifically on the animal rights movement that shows because the animal rights movement has traditionally been so white-centric, so classist, so sexist, and so unable to take seriously these coinciding movements, it has alienated us from other leftist movements. And we really are the laughing stock in the social justice space. We're not taken to be credible or legitimate. And this is the reason why. When you have a bunch of angry buttheads, you know, spouting off about, like, whatever the hell like do you do you want to share some of these just let's read some comments brian to give our listeners a little bit of an what? idea all right i said <laughs> some of these uh, are so get, funny <laughs> okay hold on i gotta get there okay just so y'all know Corey was telling me about this stuff earlier and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna wait okay so i gotta do the other piece i was gonna oh you haven't there. seen hold them on. okay i yeah i haven't seen them yet i gotta get, i gotta get something i know y'all don't know what i'm doing Okay, to start this off, this, this woman who started all of these problems, um, I eventually responded today. That's probably, I eventually responded today. I was sort of holding out. Um, maybe that's something we can talk about sort of later. I definitely have kind of a, like, I'm a little slow to respond as an ally because I'm like, I don't want to just like jump in right at first. So I waited, but then I did. And she decided to play dumb in her response. But the best thing she did was, telling me that uh, I, I reminded her of George Bush. So what I did is went out <laughs> and I got a Bush 25 ounce. The big one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is as big as they had. As big as they had for this person. And I'm, I just opened it. I'm going to put it to the side. Let's read these comments. And then I'm pretty sure I'm going to get in, onto a rant uh, once I get pretty fired up about this. Okay. Hopefully we can find that one comment, though, because it's been buried since you dropped out. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> it's a Trump picture. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, do you remember the name? This is scroll. There you are. Okay. There's I have. It's under my I have a dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got it. Yes. I'm gonna read mine. All okay. right. I want people like this out of our movement, out, out, out. There's nothing problematic about Black Lives Matter to begin with, okay? Get it? What the hell are you even talking about? I'm so fed up with whites and their entitlement to on every single thing. Don't you get it? BLM is a counter movement that exists in direct opposition to the horrifying conditions whites have created for nearly every other person on the planet. It's three words, Black Lives Matter. That's the rallying cry. That's the message. White people have nothing to critique about it. And if they can't get with the program, they can just shut their mouths. I'm sick and tired of the overt and latent racism in this movement. You know, it really riches and retaliation for getting called on your nonsense, claiming animals are the ones who suffer. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on your shit. Your face. But she does that. She does that at the end. She's like, well, everybody's like saying that I'm a bad person, but you know who's going to suffer? The fish. Oh, but I'm like, really? Really? Because there's, there's not like a thousand other people lined up in the wings waiting to say some like important shit that doesn't come with all this baggage, all this ridiculous racist baggage. Like just piss off, you know, until you can get your shit worked out. Just go sit in the corner. It's so objectifying of other animals. I hate it. Like, the animals are suffering because you dare to, like, like the things aren't connected. Like, it's the same logic of oppression that's working. Okay, next, next. Okay. Brian Snead, which movement are you referring to that you want to banish me from it and that you think people can't get with the program? They can just shut their mouths is a great example of promoting free speech, tolerance, and intersectionalism. You give me flashbacks of George W. Bush, if not worse. <laughs> It's not worse. Okay. <laughs> Dear listeners, if you can't if you can't just deal with this shit, the best thing to do is laugh. Oh my god. It's so bad. And the whole reason I got so fucking pissed off to begin with is because I read it. I read every goddamn ignorant, uh, self-righteous word that she wrote. And even when she's responding to people of color's criticism of her shit, not only people of color, but women, everybody's saying, hey, like maybe you should kind of knock this off. It's fine. You make mistakes. You have to... You have to make up for yeah, it. Yeah, let's be clear about that. There's, there's, yeah. There have been friends and co uh, colleagues of this person who have reached out. I mean, they work together and say, listen, this shit ain't cool. And they were just dug their heels in. And it's just turned into a shit storm. And I also want listeners to know that this really is, this is like where the decisions in the movement happen. This is where the shit really gets kind of hashed out is through Facebook. I know it might sound trivial and silly and you should just ignore the trolls and all that, but this is where it all happens. This is where the meaning gets constructed. So it's important. And let me read <laughs> my turn. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll so bush. I drank your bush, boy. So as vegan feminist network, 
I thought I would take the high road. I mean, obviously I had to jump in and like be an ally. Also, I was like so annoyed. But I took the high road and I was professional about it. I said, I have seen the comments made against the Black Lives Matter movement posted by one of your speakers. And I have to say, I'm truly appalled that she is headlining an event for social justice. As a movement, we have a responsibility to support those from marginalized demographics, not attack them or dismiss them. The animal rights movement is, has a branding problem and it's incidents like these that further embarrass and discredit us. And I hope the organizers will take action on this matter. Signed, Corey Wren, PhD. Now, here's the comments that I got. <laughs> okay. God, <I> <laughs> they're, 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 much, they're much shorter and to the point. I think some of them blocked me because some of them weren't showing anymore. Okay. Well, this guy says, is this what Milo meant by feminism is cancer? I don't even know what that is. You know what that is? What? No. And then some other person says, Someone has a huge ego. Veganism is the moral baseline because all life matters. What uh, a philosopher. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't know Immanuel Kant was on Facebook. <laughs> there was more, but I think they blocked me. Can you see them? <laughs> They're not coming up for me either. It's Maybe just, they got getting, banned. Maybe they got the I, fuck banned out. Maybe so. I'm getting the spinning wheel of death. The spinning, the spinning wheel of get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this personal story about um, about not only the branding problem, but uh, even also kind of deeper than that. But on the on the sort of branding side, I just I have a lot of friends who are really serious anti-capitalist, really serious. Um, about the social justice movements. And I've gotten to the point where I just don't even bring up veganism with them. I mean, I put oh. up on my page, if I'm at a party or something, um, when I first contacted you, Corey, I said something to that effect of like, it's just almost become this sort of personal morality that I have around consumption at this point, me and my few vegan friends at home, because every time we start to sort of get into a conversation about veganism and how strong the movement is or isn't and what it's inclusive of and what it's exclusive of and whom it's inclusive and exclusive of, it breaks down pretty fast. Look at the, the tactics that are used by the majority of um, those getting headlines and who it is that's, you know, running these organizations, who it is that's speaking at these big engagements, et cetera. So when my friends go out and they want to look at it a little more because they know I'm so committed and I have this intersectional approach, this anti-capitalist approach, what would normally appeal to them, they're not interested. They get immediately turned off by it. And, and I keep like trying to tell them there's just like a tiny fraction of us who are interested in it, but it's like, yeah, it doesn't work. It just doesn't fly. So I'm just like, oh great, another fucking yeah. opportunity for right. someone to just say I made a mistake and then they're, you know, and instead they want to be a total fucking asshole about it and, and just get all these, you know, all this negativity and exactly what I hate getting glummed onto it. So I had a cool thing happen to me, like related to that in like October, if you want to call it cool. I mean, my school paid for Tim Wise to come and give a workshop. So I'm like, yeah, Tim Wise, woo. you know, there's issues with Tim Wise, but whatever. So I met Tim Wise and I was like, I just want you to know that we are applying a lot of this theory to the animal rights movement. And he just went the fuck off 
because he's also familiar with all this racist bullshit that happens in the movement. And if Tim Wise, who, like I said, there's issues with Tim Wise, you know, white dude taking over anti-racism and all that. But if Tim Wise, one of the biggest celebrities in anti-racism, sees the animal rights movement as a racist cesspit of ignorance, like, come on, like this shit has to stop. I feel like a lot of it, I don't know that I see a lot of overt stuff. And, and I have, let me couch it in this. The way I grew up in the South, that was overt shit that I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outright, yeah. you know, conflict with people. And even my home life, I would hear all the just straight up racist stuff. Yeah. So I don't see that in the community. That's where- important. That's an important, let's, let's flesh that out. That's important because what you're referring to that's prevalent in the animal rights movement is the so-called colorblindness. That's where the all loves matter shit comes in. Where this, so the issue really came down to when we're talking about this woman who wants to speak at this event and we're trying to get her stopped. It's her big shtick was that Black Lives Matter was problematic because we should put a T-O-O at the end. Black Lives Matter 2, which is a variation of All Lives Matter, which is a, one of the most blatant forms of so-called color blindness. And I say so-called because there's issues with ableism in that term. Uh, but generally what it means is this, like Brian said, we both grew up in the South. We grew up with really overt racist bullshit and we've seen some scary ass shit. But today in our society, it's no longer cool to be overtly racist. For most people, it's kind of, well, being racist is a bad thing, whereas in the 50s and 60s, it's a cool thing. But that does not mean that racism has gone anywhere. Now it has kind of like been swept under the rug and it's taken on this, this new form that's much more difficult to deal with because people don't identify as racist and yet they spout off this shit because they're not because of their white privilege, they're not really aware of the systemic discrimination that still proliferates today with mass incarceration, police violence, housing segregation, schooling segregation, um, inequality and in pay and all that kind of stuff. That's the colorblind aspect that's, that's here. So you're right to tease that out. I want, that's an important point. The thing is, it's like somebody else is doing it because people are aware, white people are aware of these overt forms of racism. And it's like, as long as I'm not doing that, you know, like I'm not racist. I'm not the, I'm not the guy out there, you know, doing all of these really horrible things. So however I'm working within, you know, my, however I'm having conversations with people and expressing myself, I've already absolved myself of racism because I'm not doing the overt stuff. So it's all just free inquiry. The worst thing, the last thing that a white person wants to be called is a racist. And so whatever it is, or having racist tendency or promoting like a racist sort of idea, and if, if they've already absolved themselves, it's really hard to get them into that position where it's like, I hear what you're saying and I need you to understand this. What you're saying is totally fucking racist. And I think this woman is in the same position. My, I have problems with my parents and their friends who say similar stuff. And I'm like, if, okay, it doesn't matter that you're not burning crosses in people's front, yard, front yards. If you're, if you're saying all lives, all lives matter and, and you're locking the doors when black guys are in the parking lot with the car or, you know, like this kind of stuff, it's like those are racist actions and you have to, take responsibility for them. And there's something to add to that as well with the animal rights factor is, <clears throat> let me get a little historical here. 
the animal rights movement historically is based in racism. There is research that has been done on this, and I'll put it in the show notes, where the traditional animal rights movement that came out of the Victorian era really took off after the emancipation of slaves in the UK and the United States. And with the literature that was being produced at that time, they were using concern over animals as a way to raise whites above and to further animalize black people. And not just black people, but other people of color, especially in, especially in colonies. So th- what happened was they would say, well, look at us, white people, we are so above and so morally correct that we share our compassion with animals. But these people of color are such brutes that they are capable of caring about animals. And that has com- it continues on today. Now, what happens is with our animal rights movement in modern times, it's mostly white people. This is not to say that there aren't people of color involved. There are. But the discourse is dominated by white people and the spaces are dominated by white people. So when you have these activist communities where it's mostly white people and they have this mentality of, well, I'm such a good person because I care about animals, that adds to that racist, uh, it's another racist variable to it. So that's why when we're looking at this news, this, this feed and this, this forum for this event that we're talking about, you see all these white vegans popping up and saying, what about the animals? What about the animals? And showing pictures of graphic animal death because they're trying to position themselves as these moral whites who care, really care about the animals. And then the marginalized people are being egotistical and self-serving. It's a common theme I see. Yeah, I'm opening a beer bottle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of different directions that I, I was thinking of. Let's talk about a little bit, even if we cut it, um, the, the Facebook part. Um, I'm going to start in. I want to go back to the thing that you mentioned about Facebook, about the way that people could view that as, you know, somehow a trivial, a lesser, trivial, yeah, lesser form of activism or discourse, whatever. And I think probably in some ways, I mean, depending on the level of discourse that you're having with people and where you're doing it, um, if you're not doing it in, in a, um, a vegan space, um, yeah, I mean, if you're out there just raging on the internet, you know, that's one thing. But I have, I, I can tell you my own, you know, situation is that I have very few vegan friends. And a, a lot of what I get comes from Facebook and then finding blogs and personalities and YouTube channels and all that off of Facebook. And, and it works the other way, you know, finding different uh, social media outlets in in just social media itself and i mean i read a lot of books i read Corey's book you, everybody should go out and read Corey's book you don't know this yeah 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 so <laughs> there's a great review for, from january i think on uh, amazon for that thing um, <laughs> yes it still didn't win the review or a pdf apparently um, but oh, damn uh, it! that'll happen one of these days i think right now um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it does build some kind of community for, to do that. And it does, for one thing, hone your um, argumentation skills. It can, if you have no other opportunity to talk to people about it, or if you're in conversation after conversation after conversation with colleagues or your family at Thanksgiving or going out to lunch or whatever it is, we're having the same stupid fucking elementary conversation every time then this is a way to branch out. It's a different way to learn new things, a different way to find 
um, solidarity and people you can learn from. And yeah, I mean, of course you need to go to um, conferences, et cetera, but uh, Facebook has been really actually pretty, it, it pains me to say it because I don't, I work in tech and in web and, and I don't really like a lot of the things about Facebook, um, the business model, et cetera, but it's actually been a really great resource for me. I'm going to have to back you up on that. And I was honest with my students about this as well. As I came into feminism through Facebook. Well, it really started as I taught a class on gender and I just was really turned on by the, the readings that I did. And then I just went to Facebook and started liking different organizations and famous feminists. And that's where you get fine tuned when you, that's where the discourse is happening. And the other thing about Facebook is that you can, and again, I could have a whole episode about why I fucking hate Facebook and how sexist and horrible it is, but it's also necessary in a lot of ways for activists. And I really did fine tune a lot of my arguments and was able to tune my newsfeed into feminist news. It was a huge, huge, huge thing for me. And I share that with my students. I said, you know, you can sit here in this classroom and learn a lot of this, like the theory and all that kind of shit. But when you lock into this stuff on social media, that's where it really starts to, you know, sharpen those blurry edges and really can make you a better activist. I'll be the first to admit it. Second, after you. I was going to say, number yeah. one. Right yeah. <laughs> the <What> Bush is? beer. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> At what point do I admit that I did take a few sips out of it, but it's just... <laughs> Let me, let's see if you, if you feel that there's any legs to this part. The way, the reason that I get, one of the reasons that I get so impassioned about it is that I really love black people. I love black people. I love, um, personally, um, there's black people in, in my past, especially who are very near and dear to me. I've been accepted as a, um, pianist working in the black church for a number of years as a choir director and a pianist, um, four or five years, pretty openly atheist. They accepted me even on those two fronts. And, um, there was no reason necessarily that they, they would, you know, but I could like flow in a way that when I would get up and play that people were like, all right, you know, like yeah, he can play. And I didn't expect that out of him. And I would, I would get those kind of comments. I would go up, uh, people would come up to me that is, and they would say, you know, like it, I, obviously you were white, like literally a dude said this to me one time in the parking lot at this old black church in Rome, Georgia, um, uh, very, very traditional, and this guy came up to me and he was like, yo, I know you're white, man. It's, it's obvious that you're different than everybody here. But like, I really appreciate that you're here and that you're playing for us and that this is important for you to do. And that meant so much for me uh, to me that he did that. And like my, you know, I studied with um, a pianist um, in when I was yeah living in Atlanta um, who would study with Alice Marsalis. Man, I learned jazz from him. And um, I feel like I'm sort of a part of that, that heritage or that lineage in my playing. 
um, that comes directly from like one of the godfathers of jazz, even that comes from the birthplace of jazz. And I've got all these different experiences of how black folks have changed my life directly and the kind of um, literature and music and poetry that has come out of that culture in spite of all these hundreds of years of suffering that you think that would produce all of these hateful elements um, with them, but they respond so often, like if um, Cornell West, as Fon was saying, with such, with such open love. And, and it just, it makes me feel so close to them. And I feel, it feels so personal to me when somebody gets on some rant about like some ridiculous fucking appendage that they want to put on, on, yeah, this phrase, Black Lives Matter. Why the fuck would you want to do Like, I, I actually do take it personally, you know? And, and I think that's why I was kind of like, this is maybe the good part of the vegan rage is that I was so ragey about it in the way I, when I said, I want this person out of this movement, cause I'm done with this. I'm done with being nice with this racist shit and I'm tired of it and veganism, et cetera. Cause I have people that I care about and I want to be a part of this movement and they have every right to be, and we're not, we're not inviting them anymore. Well put. And I want to jump off of that very important point because in the past, I have seen when this racist shit spouts up, there will be kind of celebrities in the movement who will, I guess, be apologists to it and say, well, we just have to be respectful of everyone's opinions and we want everyone to feel included. We shouldn't shut down anyone's approach. And it's like when you say that, you're basically colluding with a racist approach. And the other part of that that pisses me off is like, do we really want everybody in this movement? Do we really want to open that fucking door to any old neo-Nazi, racist, sexist, misogynist, jackass, again with my species word, do we really want to do that? I say fuck no. I think that just because you're vegan, just because you care about animals does not make you an ambassador for social justice. I'm sorry, you need to be checked. That's my opinion as well. <laughs> No doubt. And it, I think it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it, if you have a little more historical knowledge, I mean, you were already giving us a bit, um, but I see kind of a few different periods based on what we were talking about last time, one of the lost episodes as a result of Zencaster. Um, which is also racially appropriative, as you pointed God. out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was already cringing enough. I was like, well, they, all right, we'll try it. Um, uh, but, but anyway, I'll just cut to the chase. It, maybe it's, maybe it's the changing of the tide now. Maybe now things are going the other way. So there's a lot of, um, is this species dinosaurs in the movement? Maybe you've done some important work in the past. Maybe you're doing important work now, but you've got to get hit to what's going on right now. It's, yeah. it's a new group of people coming in and we obviously have a different, uh, perspective than you do um, and we have different values where every bit is committed to this movement and to uh, the animals he needs to sit down they all need to sit down right it's sit like the fuck down. right yeah i mean like if you can't get on board with this let's just tell this this person it's like you just need to fuck off like go think about it for a little while no one denies or is questioning. I'm not questioning in any way, even, uh, you know, people's like commitment to doing the kind of work that they 
think is important is going to make a difference in the liberation movement, animal rights movement. Um, that's fine, but it, it's but you're not going to be able to continue on with this sort of latent sexism, racism, right. you know, homophobia, all that kind of stuff. Right. That's not going to fly anymore. You know, that, that time is over. I had a friend of mine who does the work that we do, and she, she put it this way. These people who, as you said, I guess it's speciesist, but you know what I mean, they're dinosaurs of the movement, but they are not able to acclimate to the change. She says, you know, these people, they're, they're threatened because they're no longer relevant. They're no longer relevant to the new discourse of the movement. And we have thankfully started to recognize that we have to value coalition building and seeing social justice as a multi-issue phenomenon, not just about animals. It's about a multitude of groups. And she was right. She said, these people know that they're not relevant. And so they're lashing out, they're doubling down. And another story comes to my mind is when I was teaching about uh, racism in one of my intro classes. And there was, there's always, there's always those white students who have never been made. It's because it's a, a first year class. They've never been made to think about these issues and to think about how they have unearned privilege just by being white, you have privilege. And so they were saying some snarky comments and it just so happened that after that class, um, this was a year ago, we had a Black Lives Matter protest on my campus that was student initiated. And we all just, the faculty and students, we rolled out there, we did our protest. And while we were making our posters, like one of my students was in that class with me. She said this to me and I, it stuck with me. She said, it's not about you. It's not about you. Hey, person with this conference where you want to go talk about fish at your Pennsylvania or whatever the hell, it's not about you. Hey, racist jackasses, you're up on this news feed spouting off your anti-Black Lives Matter bullshit. It's not about you. It's not about you. And they want to make it about them under the guise of it's about animals, but it's not. It, they think it's about them. They think they're taking it personally. They think this is about us judging them. And you know what it is because you don't need, you need to shut the fuck up. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Bush beer though. Oh, yeah. oh! We are out. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Yeah.